0: Hi there. In order to make our content more accessible, I've opted to start recording audio versions of The Daily Screed. So without further delay, our first topic is Jordan Peterson. You know you're an introvert if, she declares in a 4x3 box on her Facebook wall. The irony, of course, being that you'd be hard-pressed to find any introvert who feels a tumultuous need to announce their introversion. In fact, you could go as far as to say that such an announcement is the most confounding act an introvert could do. It would be as if to say, Hello, world. Here I am. See how shy I am? See how reclusive and diffident I am? Now, I'm proud to present to you a number of ways you can comment on my insecurities and self-consciousness. Hit like, click an emoji, send me a message, come see my introversion, reflect on it, tell me about it. Now, before you get up in arms, I know. How we express ourselves can be very nuanced and complicated. Sometimes we lose our confidence and harbor our feelings and thoughts in order to protect them. Other times, we're passionate and bombastic. This article isn't about chastising the people who act and feel this way. The blunt truth is that we are all these people to varying degrees. No, this article is about something, or someone else entirely. Jordan Peterson. Why do we care about introversion and extroversion? Is there any merit in evaluating these traits? Some think they offer some predictive measures. Carl Jung did. Others think they bear little more worth than the results from a Which Disney, Princess Are You quiz. Given my preceding comments, it's probably not difficult to tell that I'm certainly of the latter group. Dr. Peterson is not among us who turn our noses up at such an enterprise, though. In fact, Peterson is so compelled by these kinds of traits that he subscribes to a full set of them, the Big Five. For the uninitiated, those five traits are openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Now, admittedly, Jordan Peterson is not the inventor of these traits, and their use as a descriptive tool is widespread in personality psychology. What I asked previously was, is there any merit in evaluating these traits? To which, as I said, they are used as a descriptive tool for an entire branch of psychology. So, I'm going to refine this question a little bit. Let's ask, is there any scientific merit in evaluating these traits? Taking a serious swipe at personality psychologists... Peterson included, I'm inclined to say no. There is no real scientific merit in the Big Five, or the Myers-Briggs, or any preceding variants of personality trait factor models. How dare you, you ask? There is a contentious debate amongst scientific realists and their instrumentalist or anti-realist opposers on what the true purpose of science is. Despite their differences, one point that both sides have unified on is that the worth of science is entrenched in its explanatory prowess. That is, providing a mere description on the state of affairs does not make for good science. Allow me to give you an example of the trap that seems to ensnare academics and the general public alike. Suppose that you are on the fifth floor of a ten-story building. Someone asks you, why are you on the fifth floor? You respond, I'm on the 5th floor because there are four floors below me and five floors above me. What I'm alleging is that this is not an explanation for why you are on the 5th floor, but is merely a description of what being on the 5th floor entails. An adequate response to the question would be more akin to, I'm on the 5th floor because I walked into an elevator and pressed the appropriate buttons, which activated a set of counterweights and machines that brought the elevator to the 5th floor of this building. This is an explanation. I'm asserting that personality trait factor models only commit to providing descriptions and do not provide adequate scientific explanations in regard to behavior. What these models call for is that we A, recognize the different traits that are commonplace in cultures, and B, that we adjudicate which of these traits are the most common and simplistic in terms of their conception. This is commonly known as the lexical hypothesis, which serves as the basis for many personality trait models. This is not a controversial fact, and is readily admitted by Lewis Goldberg, whom is the primary inventor and proponent of the Big Five. He states that the individual differences that are most significant in the daily transactions of persons with each other will eventually become encoded in their language, and can be composed into a theoretically compelling structure, or taxonomy, for all personality descriptive terms. The unfortunate reality is that the analysis of these kinds of trait models only provides information on how the traits relate to one another, and does not provide much in terms of an explanation for how those traits actually function. Further, I'm not alone in this kind of criticism, especially in regard to the Big Five. Prominent psychologist Jack Block, writing on how the Big Five lack any theoretical backing, claimed that a proper model is more than a simple listing of personality variables or domains asserted to be sufficient. It should be an integrative model of organized personality functioning. Given these perfactor remarks, the five-factor analysis can be recognized as descriptive only, statically so rather than a dynamic model. Now, I've been poking holes in personality trait models, especially the Big Five, and I promised you an article on Jordan Peterson. A quick visit to Peterson's research gate will reveal an abundance of academic articles that are based on the analysis of Big Five traits. A large number of these studies involve a sample of individuals taking a questionnaire and then self-reporting their answers. The questionnaire is typically designed such that the resulting statistical analysis will allow Peterson to compare Big Five traits to whatever agenda he's set for that article. Sometimes this will be relatively innocuous, such as when Peterson explores extroversion, neuroticism, and the prisoner's dilemma, giving a trait model interpretation of a classic game theory problem. Other times, the agenda is a bit more heavy-handed, as the title of Why do conservatives report being happier than liberals? The contribution of neuroticism, suggests. Granted, the issue I take with both the innocuous and the controversial articles is not laden in the methodology, but rather Peterson's discussion that follows the results. As stated by Dr. Jack Block and myself, the five-factor analysis is vacuous in regards to theory. As such, this gives Peterson the luxury to construct a study, then provide whatever theory he wants in the discussion section of his article as an explanation for the statistical results. The damning result is that the statistics are purely self-referential and the ensuing theory-based explanation is created post-hoc to fit the statistical analysis. What this means is that the core of these studies are unfalsifiable. This allows Peterson to prove virtually any point he desires as scientifically correct. This is not science. In addition to articles that argue liberal-minded people are miserable and neurotic, we're also presented with Peterson's endeavors into public media. On his second venture to the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, I recall an exchange wherein Peterson and Rogan were discussing whether young women ought to pursue a career or rear children. Some of us maintain that these tasks don't have to be mutually exclusive and that we could take measures to make it easier for women to do both, but that's a different topic for a different day. To which Peterson is all too eager to declare that women ought to focus on having children and that, and I quote, maybe they have another purpose that transcends that but that's rare it's very very rare i would caution any woman listening if they're young not to be deluded into the idea that their career will be of such high quality that it self evidently trumps having a family you have to have a hell of a career before that is the case rogan then mentions this is a rather controversial statement and peterson continues to press that only exceptional women should pursue careers and that and i quote again They have genius-level IQ, they are spectacular in some manner, and so there is a reason they're going to step outside the norm. That is, according to Peterson, if you're a young woman, unless you're going to be the next Einstein, he thinks you ought to put down that pen and paper and start looking at cribs and strollers. So be it. I can agree to disagree with Peterson on these topics. Where I take issue is that when he makes these verbose statements, he does so on the legitimacy of his academic credentials, to which, if you have ever braved a forum or comment section filled with Pearsonites, you will be inundated with claims that Peterson only speaks in scientific truths. Therein, according to his followers, it is now a scientific fact that women ought to be barefoot and pregnant, jettisoning all their aspirations in order to meet their true self-fulfillment. Now, I will grant. Peterson is bringing awareness to many topics that are worthwhile. In particular, I too think there are free speech issues that plague many campuses in academic institutions. Further, I also agree that people ought to be more introspective and aware of their long-term goals, and more diligent in meeting those goals. However, my agreement doesn't come from a recognition of his credentials or any kind of scientific claim. It comes from my own reflections on these issues, and deliberating the facts, values, and beliefs that I freely hold. This all being said, I actually do recommend that people take some time to listen to what Jordan Peterson is saying. Think about what he has to say and whether or not it is actually sensible. Do not just take it as being true at face value. Dwell on it. For over a year now, Peterson has been on the forefront of headlines and news articles. Furthermore, he has captured the attention and frustrations of many 15-25-year-old to men. As such, as these groups mature and become more prominent in society, it's probably worth it to yourself to understand what it is they'll be standing for, or rather, what they'll be standing against. That's all for now. Hey, thanks for listening. If you prefer a written version of this content, come visit us at thedailyscreed.com. Written articles are posted about a week before their audio versions, and the website has a comment section where you can participate in active discussion. The best way you can help this project is by simply going to thedailyscreed.com and reading the articles and participating in the discussions. Thank you very much, and that's all for now.